Thank you for listening to the Saints and Scholars podcast today. We're joined once more by Dr. Michael Hecken. Dr. Michael Hecken is the Professor of Church History and Biblical Spirituality at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He is also the Director of the Andrew Fuller Centre for Baptist Studies. And he continues to also lecture there in Canada and also here in Ireland at the Munster Bible College. He's married to Alison and he has two grown children, Victoria and Nigel. And we're glad that he has joined with us to share with us about St. Patrick. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he has written this book, Patrick of Ireland. And if anybody who's been interested in some of the things that he has said would be particularly interested in reading and enjoying that book published by Christian Focus. Michael Hecken is a prolific writer and he's written a number of uh, different books on various topics. I want to commend some of them to you. He's written a book on the Missionary Fellowship of William Carey that is uh, wonderfully helpful in looking at how there was this group of friends that continued to support and enable that man to uh, carry the gospel to a whole other part of the world that was unreached at that particular time. He has a wonderful book, Eight Women of Faith, that is particularly enjoyed in our house. And my wife in particular would want me to commend that to you. He's written, uh, or really edited, a collection of letters written by men of the past called The Christian Lover. It's really a a series of love letters that these uh, great characters of church history wrote uh, uh, wives to husbands and husbands to wives. And it's a wonderful way to just see something of the richness and sweetness of, uh, of marriages and how important marriage was in the life of so many of these great heroes of the faith. He also has a wonderful book called Rediscovering the Church Fathers. If you've enjoyed the types of things that Dr. Hecken has been saying over the last few weeks, you you would find that uh, book in particular helpful. There is a chapter on Patrick that talks about his missionary zeal, but he also talks about several others of the uh, early church fathers and helps us to begin to look at and to relate to these men and to see them as men who... Uh, We share the faith with, and it's wonderful to be introduced to uh, those who also loved our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So let me commend those books to you. Uh, Dr. Hecken has been with us for last two episodes. In the first, he talked about the man behind the myth and really unfolded the story of Patrick. In uh, our last episode, he came back and began to unpack some of the theology that Patrick held to. And today, we really want to explore something of the legacy that Patrick left here on the island of Ireland. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the the legacy of Patrick. Could, could you briefly tell us a, a little bit about what Ireland was like before he came so we have something to compare to? What was Ireland like before Patrick? Uh, there are about 150 small kingdoms. Um, everywhere there was uh, a small hilltop, you would find uh, somebody would uh, put up a hill fort and gather around him his extended family. And then young men who had no kin or family or allegiance beyond their allegiance to this particular individual who would be his uh, warriors. <clears throat> Um, this is long before the emergence of, you know, the four major kingdoms and, and uh, major power blocks. And um, you don't really have an urban culture. 
There are no cities per se at all. Um, it's very rural. Um, a lot of uh, sheep stealing, cattle stealing. Uh, a lot of the the old Irish songs and legends uh, relate to this this kind of world. Um, it's largely illiterate. It's an oral culture. There was a script that was used. It's called Ogham, O-G-H-A-M, in which things would be written on stones, but very few could read it, um, etc. So you've got a, a rural a culture that is largely illiterate, engaged in a lot of these petty, petty fights and uh, struggles about uh, bits of land and, and uh, sheep and cattle and so on. Um, Patrick comes into this context um, with uh, a faith that is deeply rooted in a written word, uh, the scriptures. And within probably 50 to 60 years, uh, the, there's been a massive transformation. Uh, literacy is a significant factor in Irish culture. There is a, I, I think the Irish probably have always had a fascination with words. And now it's not only the oral word, but the, the written word that grips them. Uh, and you see this in the way that they fashion books uh, that have been preserved from this period. Um, so the gift of literacy is, is, is tremendous. Alongside the gift of the gospel, uh, Patrick leaves that legacy. And as I indicated earlier, the, also the, the, the doctrinally a, a fascination with the doctrine of the Trinity and the person of Christ um, and evangelism. Well, Ireland becomes known then in the years that follow uh, with Columban, Columbanus and others. It becomes known as this missionary force really across Europe. And you mentioned before, even uh, uh, to the Vikings that had been written off by so many. Um, that and its careful writing of manuscripts you mentioned the book of Kells and other things in what way did patrick himself uh, is there any kind of connection between what ireland would become this big missionary movement and its uh, love for uh, writing and manuscripts in what way did patrick influence that yeah i mean the, the major influence of patrick obviously his major goal is to preach the gospel and to see men and women converted and uh, planted in churches. And so these, 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 this emphasis on missions, uh, we draw the connection because this is what drove Patrick. And so the Christians whom he discipled clearly embraced and imbibed this kind of spirit of mission and evangelism. Uh, the literacy is a byproduct. Um, that's not, Patrick doesn't talk about, you know, setting up schools for teaching, reading and writing. But it's clearly his, he clearly loves the word of God. I mean, it's one of his central loves in his life. And that love is replicated again among his disciples. And so uh, the churches that he planted obviously picked this up uh, from him, that they needed to have the word of God central. And if the word of God was going to be central, they needed copies of the word of God. And uh, I haven't done the sort of studies that, can be done, and that is tracing the, the, the actual text that was written in Ireland in books like the Book of Kells and then outside of Ireland by 
Irish um, scribes, the the uh, um, Lindisfarne Gospels, but the the text um, of the, the of the, those those Gospels and books, uh, biblical books, um, has a history which you can trace back to the earlier centuries, so the third and fourth centuries. And so it'd be interesting to know, um, you know, what families of text these fall into. But it's quite clear, I think, that um, the Patrick is the key figure who introduces this, this passion for books and reading uh, because of his own focus and as I say, it's a byproduct. It's, you don't see him ever talking about, you know, I, I set up schools and or you're saying and I, I, I emphasize to them how important it was to be able to read the word of God. What you do find him is quoting the word of God again and again and again and again. And those who listen to him must have, as they became Christians, realized we need to know this word. We need copies of this word. And so it, that, that's a byproduct of, of Patrick's ministry. You mentioned uh, that we have two works uh, penned by Patrick, and we've talked a lot about uh, the confession. Uh, but can you tell us about that other work and uh, what it is and what it maybe reveals as well about Patrick and his uh, feeling towards uh, the believers there in Ireland? Yes, the uh, letter to the soldiers of Caroticus. Uh, it used to be thought that Caroticus was either a Welsh or a British chieftain um, who had come across the Irish Sea, raided the coast of Ireland, um, and killed a number of men and women whom Patrick had just baptized as believers and taken some captive. There is now an argument that he might have been a, 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 an Irish. He might have been an Irish chieftain. Either way, and I tend to I tend to the, the earlier perspective, but either way, uh, Patrick writes this letter to him, um, and uh, he quotes uh, rather he refers to elements of his own life. He talks about how he had been led by the Spirit to Ireland, um, and that he was willing to die there to give his life for the gospel that might come to the Irish. Um, but he also emphasizes the importance of recognizing that there will be a judgment. And in common with early Christianity, he, there is this conviction that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of our lives. And um, he really is warning them. Uh, he, he, has, he has no military power. Um, there is no indication that Patrick embraces the idea of of using the state to enforce um, the gospel. But he does have the authority of a gospel minister to warn uh, these, these wicked individuals who had fought under the banner of Caroticus that what they have done is a, 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 an attack upon God himself in one sense because they have killed some of his children, they have enslaved others, and they risk, they risk divine judgment. And the reality of hell and the wrath of God are very clear in the text. And um, um, that's, a, as I say, part of the, the, the kind of the thinking and drawn from Holy Scripture um, of, of the Christian teaching in the early, year, early centuries. 
it's 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 really sobering and uh, and interesting at the same time that there Patrick, this missionary to uh, Ireland, is faced whether it be from the island itself, uh, fighting and bigotry and the, the, this aggression, or whether it be coming from across the uh, from Britain. Uh, he, he's faced with a conflict and so much whenever we think of our Irish mission that we still have here in the country today to see others reached with the gospel so, so much of the difficulty I think we often experience is largely associated with those cultural uh, elements of bigotry and sectarianism and a cultural baggage that wants to separate what, what do you think Patrick would say to evangelicals in the island of Ireland today regarding their mission to the lost? Well, I think he would emphasize the, the vital importance of, of gospel proclamation, of being completely, to use contemporary jargon, sold out to this mission, uh, of not being afraid of the powers of this world. Uh, Patrick talks about um, he faced uh, uh, slander, um, imprisonment, he talks about being imprisoned three or four times again um, uh, by various chieftains um, in danger of death. He says a, at least a dozen times. Uh, some of the, the legends that would grow up about Patrick's engagement with Druids, um, they would have been a major force against him. Uh, in recent years, there's been a revival of Druidism. Uh, people have no idea the bloodthirstiness of of this pagan religion because it, it dealt in a, ch a child and human sacrifice. Uh, we've found both in Ireland and in England, um, in bogs, uh, people who've clearly been sacrificed to satisfy the, the, the anger of these pagan gods. And um, Patrick says, none of this phases him, again, to use a contemporary jargon. Uh, he is willing to give his life for the gospel. And uh, Patrick would urge us that the gospel is of such precious value, uh, both in terms of the person at the heart of it, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the message that we are to give our all for the sake of the Lord Jesus to reach the lost. And that the sectarianism that has been evident in the, the 20th century um, we have to get beyond that and above that. And um, uh, Patrick, I think, you know, he, he encountered violence and threats against his person, but he, he stayed the course uh, because of, of God's love for the Irish. And uh, Patrick was very well aware of that. And I think that's why I think Patrick is such a tremendous model uh, for us today. Dr. Hecken, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate uh, your interest in Ireland and the times that you uh, have come over in the past. And we look forward to you doing that again in the future. We're so grateful for the ministry God has given to you, but uh, also just for sharing in particular with us uh, today about Patrick. So thank you very much for your time. I want to close simply by reading some of the words that Patrick closes his confession with. And in them, I think we see something again of his heart and zeal for the gospel to move forward on the island of Ireland. And we can continue to hope 
and to pray to that same end even today. Let me read Patrick's own words to close our time. He says, For this reason may God not let it come about that I would suffer the loss of his people who have become his in the furthermost parts of the earth. I pray that God give me perseverance and that he grant me to bear faithful witness to him right up to my passing from this life for the sake of my God. If I have ever imitated anything good for the sake of my God whom I love, I ask that he grant me to be able to shed my blood with these converts and captives, even where I am to lack a grave for burial, or my dead body were to be miserably torn apart limb from limb by dogs or wild beasts, or were the birds of heaven to devour it. I declare with certainty that if this were to happen, I would have gained both my soul and my body. There is no doubt whatever that we will rise on the appointed day in the brightness of the sun, that is, the glory of Christ Jesus our Redeemer. We shall be like children of the living God and co-heirs of Christ and to be fashioned in his image, since it is from him and through him and in him that we are to reign. The sun which we see rising for us each day at his command, that sun will never reign, nor will its splendour continue forever. And all those who adore that sun will come to a bad, miserable penalty. We, however, believe in and adore the true sun, that is Christ, who will never perish. Nor will they perish who do his will, but they will abide forever, just as Christ will abide forever. He lives with God, the Father Almighty, and with the Holy Spirit before the ages began, and now, and for all the ages of ages. Amen. Again and again, I briefly put before you the words of my confession. I testify in truth and in great joy of heart before God and his holy angels, that I never had any other reason for returning to that nation from which I had earlier escaped, except the gospel and God's promises. I pray for those who believe in and have reverence for God. Some of them may happen to inspect or come upon this writing which Patrick a sinner without learning, wrote in Ireland. May none of them ever say that whatever little I did or made known to please God was done through ignorance. Instead, you can judge and believe in all truth that it was a grace of God. This is my confession before I die. (laughs) 